Amen. Can we put our hands together and give the Lord a cheer this morning? You're amazing, God. You're so awesome. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, right where you are, just thank God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I'm so thankful for life and life more abundantly today. Amen. God is good. You may be seated. Uh, man, you just just blowing me away with those amens this morning. I hope this is going to be okay and we're going to get through this. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. We're just so thankful for all that God has done this year. And, uh, uh, you know, as we kind of released our financial report last week or a couple weeks ago, I just want to say thank you so much to everybody who just really gave. Um, really, they're just above and beyond. And uh, gave out of a heart for the work of the Lord and the ministry. And so we're just so thankful. And uh, because of that, we're able to really expand our giving to local missions and uh, being able to do some things that we feel necessary here as a church and leadership. And uh, so uh, really just thank you so much for that. And God bless you. If we can turn some more lights on, that'd be great. I don't know what our, our normal uh, light situation is, but I really have a hard time seeing everybody's smiling faces sometimes. So I want to do that. Amen. So how's everybody doing today? Well, it doesn't matter anyways. We're going to preach. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Thanks so much for joining us today if you're visiting with us and especially online for watching wherever you are and some of uh, our families are out of town and, and doing some other things and so if you're joining us, thank you so much. God bless you and we just hope that the word today really encourages you. How many believe that God's word brings life? Amen. Life to our hearts, life to our spirits, life to any situation in our life and so God's word, it is alive and we believe that wholeheartedly. So, amen. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12 today, if you could. Romans chapter 12, um, starting in verse 1 and 2. read this the other day, and it just really felt uh, so necessary to share um, out of this. And so um, we're going to read this couple verses, and then we'll share a little bit. And um, just what God has, has intended for us. How many know God's plans for us are amazing? Way bigger than we can ever imagine and sometimes think or dream, as the Bible says. His ideas, his thoughts, his plans, his patterns, everything are so so much bigger, right? And every, right for us, and so much greater than what we could do ourselves. I'm so thankful for that. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, I'm um, reading out of the King James. It says, "I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed." By the renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. This morning I just want to talk to you about the transformed life. The transformed life. Lord, we just thank you for your word today. Thank you that your word is powerful. It is truth and it is amazing, God. When we read it, something happens to us. Something begins to come alive in our hearts because you said your word is spirit and it is life. Thank you, Lord, for the development and the growth that is your word is going to bring today in the life of all the believers and all those who are listening today in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. And so he's saying here that we need to, as he, I beseech, that word beseech, we don't really use that word, but I'm really pleading with you, brothers, is what he's saying. And uh, really, as we, we don't live as we lived before in the worldly system, but now we live in a constant renewed uh, life and, and renewed mind. And we renewed uh, really a transformation of our minds. Three things I want to bring out. And 
about this uh, particular chapter that he's talking about, the transformed life, is what I see is, number one, the transformed worship. Your transformed worship, how God transforms your worship. And we'll talk about that today. And transformed mind, he mentions that. And he talks about our thinking and our mind. Not only in these two verses, or the second verse, but also in three and four. But then he talks about transformed relationships. And I want to just um, talk to you about that. And so um, how many believe that as he's preaching here and talking here in the scriptures we just read, some of the keys are the renewed mind and the new life that are ours because of Jesus Christ. And so I want to just talk to you about that and share some things with you today. And, uh, you know, as Brother Micah was praying and praying for some things going on in our nation, uh, I think we, it's safe to say that, especially after the election's over, we've never been, had in a political agenda here at our church. And, you know, you don't have to be a Republican to be in our church. Or, or Come on, amen, you don't have to do that. Many people think, well, I'm, I, I don't go to that church because I'm not of that political. Well, we're not anything political. This is godliness. Come on, this is righteousness. And uh, we care about our nation. And we care about, uh, no matter who's in charge or who's over us or or in charge, I should say. How many know uh, we care about this nation? Amen. So many people say, wow, Brother Micah. No, we're not politically motivated today. We're just Jesus motivated. And uh, how many know if you elevate Jesus, amen, uh, how do the other things have to go down? Other things have to kind of like Jesus had bowed their knee to that. And so anyways, let's get into the scripture. So Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And he's talking about, and I want to go through this and some people, this may not be your style, but I, I see the scriptures this way, and so I feel like God wants to bring this truth out about a transformed life. I think the first thing that we see, he opens up and he says, by the mercies of God. By the mercies of God. And so what he's saying is, because of God's mercies, this is what we should do and why we do it. So because of this, this is what we do. This is how we do it, is what he's saying. And so uh, we do this. We're, we're conformed, we renew our minds because of this, because of what Jesus has done. And how many believe that worship is a response to the mercy of God? Worship is not a response to the denomination you belong to, the type of uh, the way you worship or whatever. It is a response to the mercy of God. How many know when you first came to the Lord, one of the first things that were renewed and transformed was your worship? Amen. You don't worship idols anymore. You don't worship a God that you made up in your mind. You worship the true and living God. Amen. The God of heaven and earth. And so your worship is transformed. Your worship is changed. But he goes on to say that because of the mercies of God, this is what we do. We present our bodies. We present our bodies to the Lord. What does that mean? That simply means that it's, you're all in. How many you know when you follow Jesus Christ, He asks for everything? Amen? You're all in. You use your body to serve the Lord. You use your, your everything about your body. Everything that, that contains your body. That's why He uses the word body. And He says, not just your spirit, He said your body. And so you, you present it. Notice what He says is that you present it. The church doesn't present it. The pastor doesn't present it. No priest presents it before you. Come on, like they did in the Old Testament. You present your body to the Lord. Right? How many know, can you see that? And so you see that it's to, you're to do it and you're to give your all. You're to give yourself completely and the totality of your being to God. And that's what he's saying. And so we're to give our all to Jesus. It's dedicated service when we talk about serving the Lord. We're all in. How many can lift your hand to heaven and say, I'm all in? Amen. God's got everything, everything. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13, it says that the body was not for sin or fornication. The body wasn't for sin. The body was for the Lord. And the Lord was for the body. Isn't that cool? 
my body was made for God, but God was made for my body. That's what he's saying. And so present your body uh, to the Lord. You know, you need to be all in. And how many know you can't offer your body to God without offering your mind and your heart? And so it goes back to the two greatest commandments that we're still following today by the Holy Spirit, and that is to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul and love others better than yourself. Is that right? And so he said, I mean, you know, you can't, you can't offer God in worship your body without your heart and your mind, without everything else. I know God wants everything. Is that true? Is that true? So he's saying here, you know, present your bodies a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice, a living sacrifice. He uses that word. And Paul also, as he's teaching here, he knows exactly what he's teaching and the, and the analogy that he's giving here when he says living sacrifice, because, because what he's doing is he's using the language of the Old Testament and animal sacrifice to God. He's using that and he's saying, you know what? Now, that's what they used to do in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant. Now, as a, as a symbol, come on, but now we present our bodies as a living sacrifice before the Lord. And so, it, it, again, it's the idea of complete giving of oneself to God. This is worship. This is worship. And so, how many believe that when God uh, saves you and, and you come to the Lord, one of the first things that He does is He transforms or changes the way you worship and what you worship. Amen. And so let me give you three things about a living sacrifice. Number one, it's a complete sacrifice. And so we know it's the whole thing. As we see this in the Old Testament, it had to be the whole lamb. It had to be the best. It had to be the best lamb. And so the second thing is it's a willing sacrifice. It's a decisive dedication. It's on purpose. We're willfully following Jesus. Nobody's pushing buttons and making us do this and do that. How many know we're doing it because we love God? Amen. So this is uh, not only a willing sacrifice, but a qualified sacrifice. So a living sacrifice is, is these three things, a complete sacrifice, a willing one, and a qualified one. And we see this example through Jesus. The Bible says that He was worthy to take up the seals. He was the worthy, we sang it today, the Lamb. He was the worthy Lamb. So He qualified. Come on, and now He's saying, you can qualify. How many believe because of what Jesus did at Calvary, you can qualify? Amen. You qualify. And so this is true worship. Now, worship, a worshiper, as Jesus talks about it and the Bible talks about it, I'm not really going to talk about worship today, but a worshiper is not a performer, but it's a giver. That's what a worshiper is. Not a performer, but a giver. That's what a worship means. So one who gives God what he deserves and what he wants, this is my gift to him. If you look at what we're talking about here, a living sacrifice because of the mercy, we're doing a living sacrifice as our bodies, we're giving it all. This is what it is. It is a gift for a gift. So he's saying is because of the mercy of God, you need to offer yourself to God. So it's a gift from God and you're going to give God something from you. So it's a gift for a gift. How many know what I'm talking about? So it's a gift for a gift because of His mercies. How many believe that the mercies of God motivate you and influence you in your life? How many believe that they should? How many believe that the mercy of God should motivate you in your life? Because of what God has done. Because of the goodness of the Lord. Amen. We should worship God and give our bodies a as a, an offer of a living sacrifice. I'm kind of leading up to something else. But, so then he goes on and he says it should be holy and acceptable. And of course, we know what those definitions of holy and acceptable mean. And a lot of that just simply means we're belonging to Jesus. We're separated unto Him. That's what it means to be holy. And, and it means to be full of joy. It means to be without mixture and, and the power of God's Word working in your life. How many of you know it's not the power of man's rules that work in our life? It's the power of God's Word that works in our life. 
That's what holiness is. And so I like the scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. In the living it says, May the God of peace himself make you entirely pure and devoted to God. And may your spirit and your soul and your body be kept strong and blameless until the day when our Lord Jesus Christ comes back. I mean, no, that's your whole body, right? So as Paul's saying here, a living sacrifice, you need to be holy. A holy is complete. That's holy, without mixture, or it's also complete. Amen. How many believe that, amen, God has given you His Holy Spirit? Amen. He has given you, amen, all of Him. Amen. That's what it means. And so it means also he talks about here to be acceptable unto God. He says this and he uses these, this language and he says be acceptable. That means to be pleasing to God. The kind that he can accept. How many know in the Old Testament the picture was is that it had to be the right sacrifice that God asked for or he wouldn't accept it in the first place. Is that true? Amen. Right. And so you need to brush up on your Old Testament survey. So, you know, so this is what he said. It had to be acceptable. And so See, this is what it is. What is acceptable to God? Well, how do I know? Do I have to dance high, do this? Do I have to worship this, this way? Do I have to sing that? Do I have to, do I have to live this way according to my church? No. What it means is it's an obedient sacrifice. It's an obedient walk with the Lord. How many know that's acceptable to God? You living like somebody else is not acceptable to God. You living the way He wants you to live is acceptable to Him. That's what it means to be acceptable. That obedient sacrifice. And it's not just believing in Jesus or hearing the gospel. You've got to live it. You've got to walk it out. You've got to do it. And we see that as Jesus taught. You know, it's funny. The, of course, we, we know automatically what would be the opposite of acceptable would be what? Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Did you know there's another word that goes along with this? The opposite of acceptance is, is to be uh, annoying. Did you know that? That's why the Bible teaches us don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You're annoying the Holy Spirit. <laughs> how many know when, when we don't listen to the Lord and we keep doing our own thing it's annoying to the Holy Spirit that's grieving the Holy Spirit no I'm serious that's what the word means so how many know if God wants us to be acceptable he doesn't want us to be annoying he doesn't want us to be unacceptable how many know when we're not living right and not listening to him and following his word treating other people right not doing you know come on what we're supposed to be doing how many know it's a little annoying to the Lord I'm so thankful that he's long-suffering because of my annoyance. Amen. Amen. And that's what it means. And so, so we don't want to be annoying to the Lord. We don't want to be unacceptable. We want to be acceptable. And the way that we're acceptable is not measuring ourselves by other people, but by obedience to his word. That's pretty simple, isn't it? First Peter 2.5 says this. He says, you also, he's talking to the church, your lively stones, again, that's a symbol, a type, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Acceptable to God. How many know God loves it when we worship Him? God loves it when we pray. God loves it when we go to Him and say, Lord, you're my first. You're, my, you're the best in my life. I give you all the attention. Any Christians in the room? How many know that's what God loves? He accepts that. He, he loves that. And does, you don't have to pray like anybody else. He accepts your prayer. He accepts your faith. Is that right? All right, we're getting to the good stuff. Then it says this. It says, this is your reasonable service. And he starts at the very beginning because of the mercy of God. Because of the mercy of God. This is, what the, this is our response. And he said, this is your reasonable service is what the King James says. Or this is what it means. This is the rational reaction to His mercy. This is the least you can do. 
How many know just by praying and seeking the Lord is the least we can do for all that He's done for us? That's what he's saying. He's saying because the tremendous love and goodness and kindness and long-suffering and all the things that God has done for us, the least we can do is offer your whole self to God. To be all in. To be fully committed to God. This is our reasonable service. This is what we should be doing. This is the minimal of what we should be doing, is what he's saying. How many know some Christians are just living by the minimal? Just barely getting in there. This is your reasonable service, rational reaction to all the goodness of God. Now again, let me make this clear. It's not for God's love, it's from God's love. That's where we come from. Is anybody in the room, right? We don't worship for God's love, we worship because of His love. Is that right? Amen. See, God already proved His love for me. I've yet to prove my love for Him. And this is what Paul is saying. is like because of what he already did, he's already loved you, he's already sacrificed. Now it's your turn. Now it's be- and, he, and he's saying this as if this is something that should drive us in our life. This is something that should be a passion in our heart every day. Not just something we think about on Sundays or once in a while when you take communion. Oh yeah, I need to do this. No, he's saying this should be something that is a transformed life. This is a life that we live from now on. Does anybody listen? Anybody agree with that? All right. And so we know this. We love, we love God because the Bible says He first loved us. And so I know that I can love others and forgive others and I can be holy and acceptable because of who He is and what He's done. Because of the mercies of God. This is your reasonable service. Because of His awesome mercy towards me. This is what it's about. I will be a living sacrifice and be transformed by the renewing of my mind which is in Jesus Christ. Amen? Tremendous. And so he's talking about transformed life. Your transformed life. My worship, my thoughts, and my actions are fueled by the mercy of God. How many believe that? How many believe your thoughts, amen, are fueled by the mercy of God? Because of what God has done, I'm going to think good thoughts, pure thoughts. I'm going to think different thoughts. I'm going to think differently about how God views me and what His Word says about... Come on, amen. How have you other people? How many know that if you have a transformed life, you're going to have transformed relationships? And he begins to talk about that. But then he goes into verse 2 and he begins to talk about not just transformed worship. He says, now it's transformed mind. There's something here he gives us. And let me just spend a few minutes on this today. So he opens up and he says, don't be conformed, but be transformed by. So don't be this, but be this by doing this. So that's what he's saying. And so it's comparing and contrast some things. And I want to go through this. And he opens up and he says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, is what one translation says. Being conformed to the same pattern of the world. It also means to be fashioned after, that's like a style. That's what it's talking about. There's a style there. And I'm not talking about keeping up with trends and just trying to wear you know, your clothes from the 80s all the time. He's saying, he's saying something different. There, there's a, in other words, you're trying to keep up with the trends of the world. And not just, and not just materialism, but it's spiritually or, or emotionally. You're trying to, there, there's something else he's talking about here, not just the outward. How many know man looks on the outward, God looks on the heart. So he's not just talking about that. But it says this, it says, so the world's sinful fashion. How many know, believe, he's talking about the world's sinful fashion. And how many believe that the world's sinful fashion doesn't fit a Christian anymore? That's how I like to look at the scripture. Amen. So don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. 
All that is in the world, I believe, is cheap thrills, surface relationships, and temporary satisfaction. But Jesus is refreshingly different. Amen. That's what the world is. And he said, don't be conformed to this world. Let me go a little deeper on this one. To conform means to act in accordance with expectations. To behave in the manner of others. Especially as a result of social pressure. To comply. To go along with just so that you can get along with. That's what he's saying. It means to buckle under pressure. It means to submit unwillingly. This is what it means to don't conform to the world. So here's what it is if you're taking notes or you just want to remember this one. Conform means to press in from the outside. Press in from the outside. So in other words, what it's saying here is he's forcing you to change according to a system without God that continues to evolve into evil. Don't be conformed into a world without God. Don't let the pressure of the world change you on the inside. So it's always the outside pressure. He's saying that it's conform means to, to have pressure in from the outside. It's forcing you to change, to comply, to go along with, to live according to the behavior of other people because of social pressure. That's what he's saying. Is this all right this morning? So it's a pressure, but it's also a manipulation. Or it's a change on the outside, but not on the inside. I mean, no, that's conforming. When you just conform. I know mean, people speak of unity today, but they're really saying meaning conformity, not unity. And there's a saying, a very popular saying, in a very secular, ungodly organization, and it says this. It says that if you keep the shower running long enough, people will get used to being wet. If you continue to bombard people with false concepts and lies, how many know eventually they're going to believe it? We've seen this through history, haven't we? If you continue to show people something, eventually they'll get used to it and then they'll accept it. Is that right? That's what it's saying. And so he's saying that there's this outside pressure and so it's trying to change the outside in order to appear good on the inside. Jesus spoke of this when he, uh, he addressed the Pharisees and he said, you're like a beautiful cup on the outside. You polish the outside, but inside it's filthy, it's full of disease, it's nasty, it's never been clean. He said, you're also like a tomb, you're beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, how many know what's in a tomb? Dead bones, dead, nasty, stinky flesh. How many know that's what conformity is all about to the world? That's what he's saying. It's you're trying to change from the outside in order to fit in, in order to appear good on the inside. I believe, and, and, and we see this in our culture today, that you may be able to change the outside extremities, but you're not going to change your DNA. There's just something about it. You, can't, you have to deal with it. Something has to happen on the inside of man. We're trying to change the outside in order to appear good on the inside. But how many know something has to happen on the inside in order, come on, for God to accept you, right? Or for you to be acceptable to God on the outside. That's what he's saying. Amen? Amen. Wow. I thought it would be a little bit better than this at this point, but that's all right. You know, I'm not looking for that. But let me just say this. This is what conformity looks like. In 2021, when you don't fellowship with people in your church because of the color of their skin, their political views, and their past lifestyle, you may be conforming to the world. You may be giving in to some pressure. When you're more concerned with global finances than you are domestic abuse, you may be conforming to the outside world. 
If you believe in affirming children and changing their created gender without their knowledge and their understanding, you're probably conforming to outside pressure from the world. If you're into deconstructing the sanctity of marriage and family and life itself, you're probably being conformed and being manipulated by outside pressure to be like everybody else who doesn't know God. If you're into dehumanizing people and you're into exploiting women and children, you may be pressured by the world to conform. Amen. Which I don't understand today. I don't get it. I don't understand how someone can fight for a sexual preference of a person and not fight for the life of a child. It doesn't make sense to me. But that's, that's what happens when the world that doesn't know God goes their way and everybody else goes in that same direction. You feel the pressure to go with them. Jesus said broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many, many, many go that way. Anybody listening? Amen. I don't know if you're into these things and if you feel that way, but you may be under the pressure of our society and our culture. Not the kingdom of God. This is what he's saying. Don't do that is what Paul is saying. And I'm going to tell you that. Don't do that. Every believer needs to be both pro-liberty and pro-life. I'm not talking political here. I'm just telling you as you're... And how many know if you believe something, you're going to act that way? Every Christian needs to be that way. And I'm telling you right now that there is a pressure and a manipulation to conform to the ways and the systems and the philosophies of this world. Paul said, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. But how many know there's good news? He said, you can do something else. You can be transformed. There's something else God has for you, and that is transformed life. As he says in verse 2, at the second part of it, he says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that word there means to change a physical form, a structure, a substance, especially by a supernatural means. It also means an alteration in appearance, character, or circumstances. Which is where we get our Greek word metamorphosis, as we've heard this so many times before. It's a developmental change in the form or structure. That's where we get the whole picture, and we see a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. How many know the caterpillar was a butterfly on the inside before he was a butterfly on the outside? There was something on the inside before there was something on the outside. And that's what the word transform means. It means to change from the inside out. And he said, you can do that. You can be changed from the inside out. You don't have to be changed from the outside in. You don't have to be, be conformed to the pressure in society and culture. The kingdom of God talks about another change, and that is from the inside out. Something that happens in your heart. How many know when you got saved, something happened inside? You, your outside circumstances may have not changed. You still might have been going to the bars. You might have been still getting high. But something changed on the inside. And eventually, things changed on the outside. Anybody? Amen. And so this is what it means. So it refers to the process that begins inward and leads to an outward permanent change. Jesus, or Paul is talking about, Jesus talked about eternal life. There's an eternal change. There's a permanent change. How many know I'll never be the same with the day that I met Jesus, I'll never be the same. There is an eternal, permanent change when I began to walk according to God's word. Something changes on the inside for good and forever. Amen. It's a permanent change. 
It's not temporary. It's not until I, I find another God to worship that's better than this God. There is a permanent change. Amen. And there is transformed. I've been changed on the inside. Nobody has to go through this book through you and, well, you got to think this way. Something happens on the inside of you. Some of you, your testimony was is that you were, had the worst mouth on, that anybody knew. Worst, you, you knew every other word, every breath you took was a cuss word. But something happened when you met Jesus Christ. You didn't want to do that anymore. And you hadn't even been in the church yet. Why? Because there's a transformation, there's a change that began to happen. And metamorphosis that began to grow on the inside of your heart. And it's real. Amen. And he said, you need to be this way. Be changed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Live out of this transformed life by the renewing of your mind. Amen. Let me dig a little deeper on this. And so the prefix that we get this word from, trans, has been abused today, but I'm going to use the proper definition. It means to cross or cross over. We, we transfer money into other accounts. We I mean, transportation, we, we go from one place to the, to the next with some type of you know, vehicle or some kind of uh, uh, structure. And so it also means to come out of into. When you, when you transform, when you change, you, when you transfer money, you bring it out of one account into a, another account. How many know the Bible says that we've been delivered out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light? I have transformed. Amen. I have, have gone. I've transferred. Amen. How many know? Amen. I, I took a transportation. We got on a different vehicle from where we were going. We got on another vehicle. Now we're going towards heaven. Amen. So there's a, there's a, there's a crossover. And there's a change. But that third, third definition to change is what he's talking about here. To change. So transform means to change from the inside out. Transform, we change greatly the appearance of or into the form of. So you change into the appearance over the form of something else. And so you transfigure. How many remember the story that Jesus went up on a mountain to pray? And as he was praying, Moses and Elijah visited him. And, and God spoke out of the clouds. And the Bible says when he came down off that mountain, his face had changed and his clothes had changed. He was transfigured. He had changed. It wasn't just his clothes. It was his face. How many know God does a complete operation on our lives? Amen. So this is tra it's transfigured. It was called the Mount of Transfiguration. Why? Because Jesus didn't look the same. Jesus didn't appear the same. And that's what happens when we get into God's presence, when we live according to God's word, something happens in our lives. We transfigure, we transform, or transformation. And what is Paul talking about? What is the form that we go into? What is the appearance that we take? The man, Christ Jesus. We are created in His image. When we get born again, now we're growing into His image. Amen. We're transformed into His image. And so Paul is talking about something, again, that happens on the inside of you. We're changed into a new person. As he wrote later, he said, It's no longer I that live, but it's what? Christ that lives on the inside of me. My favorite scripture, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I still live, obviously. But it's not I. It's what? Christ that lives on the inside of me, that lives out of me and through me. And this life I live now, my real life, not my church life, not my weekend life, my real life, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How many know this is transformed life? You, you don't just live one way on Sunday and live another on Monday. It's your complete life. It's the real you. It's all of you. Amen? Hallelujah. And so there's an influence on the inside that affects me on the outside. That's what he's talking about. 
And so transformation is the product of the gospel. Transformation is the product of the gospel. Many people say, well, I've heard this, this concept go around. It's really a false concept that's moved through the church in the last 10 to 15 years. Is that we're, into, we're not into behavioral transformation. We're into soul transformation. But how many know the gospel will transform your behavior because it's going to transform your heart. And a lot of people say, oh, I believe in God, but they don't live like it. How many know that's not the, what Jesus promoted? That's not what the Spirit of God does. The Spirit of God does not come in our life to keep us worldly. Amen. He changes us. It changes us. It, it, the gospel changes us. The, the Word of God changes us. Jesus Himself comes to change us. Amen. He transforms us. He says that there is a transformation that can happen, a metamorphosis that can happen. And some of us may be still growing in Christ and growing in the things of the Lord, and you, you still got the caterpillar thing going on, and these, but these little wings are budding. Amen. It's okay. Keep growing in the Lord. Keep moving in God. Keep learning about God. Keep pr praying. Come on. Keep seeking God because there's a growth on the inside. There's a development on the inside. There's a change happening on the inside. Amen. God gives you a new heart so that you can think differently and be changed for the good. And this is what, what I see here is His grace gives us, it empowers us uh, to deny ungodliness, as the Bible says. He, he gives me the power to deny ungodliness and, and sinful pleasure, to live a self-controlled and upright and a God-pleasing life. That's what it means to be transformed. Does anybody agree with that? One of the definitions of transformation is actually an electrical term. There's a, it transfers power. It's a, come on, you know, that transfer box. It transfers power, this, this device that takes this energy and all these voltage and everything, and it transfers it so you still have the same power, you still have the same energy, now it's just flowing through a different current, just flowing through a different vessel. And so that's what happens in our lives. There's a transfer of power, transfer of goodness, transfer of nature, amen, in ours. Is that right? Amen. That's transformation. And God will transform us really by the renewing of our minds. That's what he's saying. It's going to happen by the renewing of our minds. And we need to let the word of God change us. And so we think and we believe and we act different. And we, we act like the new creatures we really are. I mean, you know, an apple tree doesn't strive to produce apples. It doesn't produce pears and it doesn't, you, you know, it just doesn't groan and strive. It happens. It happens. And when you're living in Jesus and you're living according to the word, it happens. <laughs> Transformation and change happens. It's not like, oh, let's see, uh, I got to check the list here. I'm going to do this next week and then try patience next week and then goodness the next week and then I'm going to, no, it happens. It happens. The Lord is growing. The Lord's developing. The Lord's working. God's word is, is, is that change on the inside. Is that right? Amen. Transformation. I want you to notice something about these two verses. And these two, actually, the verse one where it says, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Then he says, down here, don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed. A lot of people can't get to verse two because they're stuck in verse one. They can't uh, you know, offer themselves as a living sacrifice. They haven't given it all to God. They haven't surrendered to the Lord. They, have, they want to worship you know, this and that. and they want to, they want, That's why he said don't be conformed to the world because you can't serve two masters. You, you know, you're either in or you're out. And he said you're, you know, as far as that goes, as far as your commitment to God. And so, so you notice a lot of people struggle with verse 1. They struggle with being a living sacrifice because they're struggling conforming to the world. Is that right? 
Let me give you the contrast here between the two because I looked it up and said, okay, what's the difference between conforming and transforming? What's the difference? And so, as we talked about earlier, the conform means to press in from the outside. Transform means to change from the inside out. But notice this, that both of them require change. Both of them require submission. Both of them require someone or something else as a standard of measure. Think about it. They both require it. But one revolves around a system. The other revolves around a person. Is that right? The systems of this world, the ways of this world, when it talks about it, the, you know, the, 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 you know the, the atmosphere of this world. But one results from a heart of sin and one results from a heart born again. One is about temporary change. Conforming is about temporary change. Uh, transforming is about permanent change. One is about decaying and the other is about growing. One is about being pushed into the world. The other is being led into a, trans, in a renewed life. Amen. How many know God's leading us this way? You know, when conform, when you conform to something, you're pushed into it. But when, when you follow the Lord, He's leading you into it. Amen. One is to be a, a, a convert of the world or a convert of Jesus. That's what it's saying. Either you're a convert of the world or you're a convert of Jesus. That's what the word, both words, conform and transform, mean is to converge or convert. How many know you're either con convert of the world or you're a convert of Jesus? Is what Paul's saying here. And so it's either conforming to a system of death and, or transforming to a person of life. That's what it is talking about here. And really what it means is that conformity is more concerned with, with your relationship to standards, whereas transformation is more concerned with the standards by which you relate. So there's a difference in, in the way you even think about it. That's why Paul's talking about renewing your mind. And your life is shaped by the philosophy and the desires of the world. Or your life is shaped and changed by the living and the renewing life of Jesus Christ. That's what it means. It just simply means that. And so how many know the Bible uh, describes this in 1 John? It says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There's a compare and contrast right there. Greater is he that is where? In you. That's transforming life. That's transforming power. He's in you than the one that's outside. In the world, the one that's pressuring, manipulating, lying, deceiving. That's what he's saying. The pressure to, to die, the pressure to steal. That's what he has to do. In order for the devil to do what he needs to do, he's got to lie, kill, destroy, rob. He's got to cheat. He's got to, come on. But how many know God is, the Bible says that he's come to give you life and life more abundantly. Amen. And so, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We can conform to really what everyone else says is good, or we can be transformed by the one who is good. Amen. When you stop being changed by a godless society, you can live a brand new life by the way you think. This is what Paul's saying. You've got to stop being conformed by a godless society, changed by a godless society, so that you can be changed by the renewing of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And so let me close this by saying this part, by saying he goes in and he says, by the renewing of your mind. There, there is a renewing of our minds. And I, I can't get into this whole principle because it's, it's huge and it's amazing. But the renewing, really, I, I looked it up, and of course we know it means to make new. How many are thankful that he's given you new thoughts, new, new ideas, new, new, just new concepts, just new thinking, a, a new way to think about yourself, the world. How many know you don't think about 
the, the, your situation or your problems the way you used to. When trouble came, you used to think about alleviating the pain or numbing the pain. Now you're willing to go through because you know that God is working something in you. You've got joy in your pain. You've got peace in your pain. No, there's something new. And so you, you, he teaches. But you know, there's another definition of the word renewal. Did you know that? To be renewed. It means to be washed or made clean. Now think about it. So be washed in your mind. So in other words, what he's saying is, let your brains be washed. How many know there's a brainwashing in Jesus Christ? Oh Lord, I knew they were a cult. He said the word. Amen. How many know I'm being, my brains are being washed? My thinking is being, I was programmed one way, but now God is programming me another way. Amen. My brains are being washed. Someone said, will you go to that church and brainwash you? Yep, Jesus Christ brainwashes me. I used to hate people. Now I love people because I see them in a different light. How many know that takes brainwashing? Nobody's listening to this one. It takes brainwashing. Amen. You don't think about men the same. You don't think about women the same. You don't think about anything else the same because your brains have been washed. And His Word, we're conforming. If anything, we're conforming to His Word so we can be transformed by Him, come on, into His image, right? And guess what? We're doing what He wants us to do. We're doing what He says to do. He is our Master. We are His servant. He is our teacher. We are His student. He is our Lord. Amen. Come on. He is our Lord. And we are His servants. Amen. He is the one that's washing my brains. And some of you have been through things in your life that have damaged your brain. You've damaged your mind, damaged your thoughts, damaged the way you think about the opposite sex, damaged the way you think about life itself, the future of your life, about how you view yourself, how you view your future, your family. Some things have been done to you that have actually damaged the way you think. Aren't you glad that there's healing virtue that flows when we get into God's Word Something happens in our minds. God begins to heal us. You hated people of color. Now all of a sudden you love people of color. Come on somebody. Amen. Amen. Can I just make it plain? Is that right? Why? Because there's a, there's a changing of your mind. There's a renewing of your heart. Amen. Man, you couldn't go buy a store without thinking about, man, I wonder what time they close and if anybody's security guard's on guard and how much money they got in the till there, right? But now you're just like, hey, I don't want to do that anymore because your brains have been washed. Amen. And I'm thankful for that because some of you could hurt me in a hurry. And now you've got to love me. Right? Amen. Because our brains have been washed. Our minds have been renewed. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 and 24. Put off concerning the former lifestyle and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you may put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. How many know it's Jesus Christ that we take on? Last week when we baptized people, those four people, one of the things we made clear is that Jesus is the new man you're becoming. Amen? Aren't you glad for that? Amen. And, he, and there's something that happens in our minds. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but the world pushes for conformity by destroying your thinking. But God renews your thinking and shows you how to live. That's what happens when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so I just want to close um, this out, this part out. And one of the things that are so fantastic, if you read the rest of these verses, it talks about transformed relationships. Because of a transformed life by the mercies of God. Can we stand on our feet today?
Amen. Just want to share a couple things as we get ready to pray. And I don't know what you had planned today, but I don't know if it was playing out in the rain or working out in the rain or whatever you were going to do. But uh, amen. Before we go there. You know, one of the things you look at and you talk about this, and, and Paul brings us back to something so amazing. I love this. We talked about, you know, there's so many principles here, renewing your mind and, and the way you treat people, and there's so many good things here. But the focus in this whole thing was the mercy of God. He opens up by saying, because of the mercy of God. This was something that fueled Paul's life. His whole life was that experience on the road to Damascus. When Jesus appeared to him, and, and Jesus could have, have, really could have killed him. Jesus could, could have done a lot of things, or not even appeared to him at all. And so he was something that he constantly reminded the church of. And I remind you of that today, as the church of Jesus Christ, to focus on the mercy. Focus on the mercy of God, because he said, because of that, that's because now we can offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Now we can be renewed in our thinking. Because of the mercy, because of what Jesus did at Calvary, now we can become new people. So many people are trying to be good. They're trying to be good people and new people. And they, they run to this and they run to that. And they try, well, if I try therapy and maybe meditation and then this and then that and, and do this and do that and hang out with this crowd, live in this area and, and move to this part of the world, maybe things will be different. But how many know it all really has to do with a heart change? It has to do with a heart change. And that has to do with the mercy of God, the eternal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Man, I'm telling you, this is what... He was focusing on. Get us to focus on this. And, and, so, and, and so saying that, I, I just want to say that I, I really, today I choose to give myself wholly to God and be transformed in my worship, my mind, and my relationships. And one of the things we, we see is that His mercy is, very, is the very thing that supplies us with that powerful and irresistible urge to do good works that we've been talking about the last few weeks. It's His mercy that really causes us to do these things. And His mercy to love God and to worship God. And, you know, some people come to church and they've been doing it so long, they just are so used to, we start playing music, you lift your hand. You do this, you do that. You do this, and we forget about why we do what we do. Paul reminds us why we do what we do, and he says, because of the mercy of God. Because Jesus Christ did this, this is what, what we do now. This is why we do what we do, and this is, this is why we do what we do. Amen? And he said, because of that. And so... I believe as this exhortation here as Paul was giving us in the first two chapters, in the first verses, I'm sorry, I want to encourage you to stop the process of abuse from the sinful system of the world and give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, Romans also, I believe it's in Romans chapter 8, one of the translations, as he said, that Jesus Christ came to, bite, uh, to break the vicious cycle of sin in your life. That vicious cycle of sin. You're lonely, you seek for relationships, they're broken. You're lonely, you seek for relationships, they're broken. You're lonely. See, it's, it's a vicious cycle, a vicious cycle. An addiction tends to be a vicious cycle that always brings you back to your need, your problems, your emptiness, your loneliness. Come on. How many know that Jesus breaks those vicious cycles of sin? Amen. We, we keep lying, we keep... We keep thinking, lying to ourselves, lying to other people, lying to everything else. And then we, we think we're good for a while, we're okay, and then we get problems, and then we go back to this, we go back to that. I mean, no, Jesus Christ breaks the vicious cycle of sin in our life because of His mercy. 
because of His goodness. And so Paul is saying this today, because of His awesome mercy towards us, we need to be a living sacrifice and be transformed by the renewing of our mind to come into the image of Jesus Christ so that we can be transformed in our relationships with other people. That's how it happens. That's how it works. This is, includes your, your job, your marriage, your family, whatever it is. It starts with the mercy of God. And so can we lift our hands to heaven today and just say, God, I thank you for your loving kindness and your tender mercies towards us, Lord. As David sang so many times and Paul wrote about it here and he said, because of the mercies of God. He opens up the letter and he, he was urgently calling for the church to focus on something in their life and that is the mercy of God. Because of the mercy, we're going to give ourselves. We're all in. I'm all in, God. I choose you today and I choose to give you everything because of what you have given me, Lord. It's a gift for a gift. I'm giving my life, Lord. Transformed in my worship, transformed in my mind, transformed in my relationships. God, you have done such an amazing thing. Now, Lord, I turn around and say, I give you all of me. So that, Lord, I just pray, Lord, if there's anything that I'm struggling with in my mind, this has been such a mentally frustrating, heavy year for us, Lord. And so, Lord, we, we know that by the renewing of our mind, we can have peace in the middle of the storm. We can have, Lord, we can have joy in the middle of chaos and hate we, and anger. We can have peace and joy and love in the middle of all these things because we have the renewed mind of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I pray today those that are struggling, Lord, with sin and those that are struggling, those that are uh, backslidden, those that are away from you, Lord, will be reminded of the mercy and the goodness of God in their life and come back to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. You are